started. I don't. I guess we're going microphoneless for this deal. Let's do it. Yeah, we got this. All right. So um, anyway, welcome to uh, what I wish I knew before I launched the church planting app. This app is part of our uh, launch with art series of apps that we're doing at the conference. My name is Josh Robry. I work on the launch team at ARC. Uh, me and my wife, Amy, are part of the team there, and our job is to help new church planners get through the training process and launch a successful church with ARC. And success for us is not a mega church. It's a sustainable church. And so we just believe that uh, people with a dream in their heart to plant a church are special people taking a huge risk, and we want to come uh, beside you and help you and support you in that. And all of these people on our panel today have done that with ARC. So that's, why we, that's why we asked them to be on this panel, just to kind of share some things they wish they knew before they launch and hopefully help you guys avoid that. So real quick, let's just find out who's here in the app session. Who's thinking about possibly planning a church one day and you can publicly acknowledge that without getting fired? <laughs> okay, anybody? Okay, so how many of you have launched a church? Okay, anyone, anybody launched a church, start a church? Okay, who's in the process of starting a church right now? Anybody? Okay, yeah, nice. yeah, definitely. All right, uh, any senior pastors in the room right now? You're, you're, you're pastoring? Okay, good. Any church leaders? Any church leaders in the house? Just here hanging out? Okay, good. Do you want to come up right now and say hi? We have the director of church planning with Mark. 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 to come in and say hi to you guys and turn it over to Adam. Hi, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're thrilled that y'all are here just at the conference and then especially at this app session. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Take good notes. You got a lot of experience up here. A lot of good lessons learned, right? Come on. And uh, we learned so much things from um, things that we didn't do right the first time around. And uh, these guys are going to be sharing that with you. And uh, we're just thrilled. So thrilled that you're here and honored. And we'd love to answer any questions afterwards on church planning. And uh, I think they uh, y'all brought, all brought your checkbooks. They got plenty of money now. <laughs> right? Post plenty of money. Post <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, they'll be happy with the <laughs> So, uh, enjoy the session. Awesome. All right. Hey, guys, get up for Mark and Josh and yes. Amy for putting this all together. Well, hey, uh, what we're going to do just for the, for the next few minutes is we want to kind of just give you the real, like, hey, this is really where we've been. Because sometimes we can look at those that are on platform and go, man, like, that must be awesome to be up there and to preach for 7 and 7. But the reality is all of us started um, sitting in a seat going, I feel like God's called me to reach people in my city. Yeah. And I really believe that maybe, just maybe, this is like the right family to be a part of, that the ark could be this answer to my prayer. So before we get in, I just want to kind of we'll go down, we'll make some introductions, and then uh, we'll jump into our first uh, question or topic. So, yeah, go ahead. Hi, my name is Joel. This is my wife, Mandy, and we planted a relevant church uh, five and a half years ago, Ark number 310, oh. and uh, in a little town in northwest Kentucky called Paducah, Kentucky, the quilting capital of the world. Any quilters in the house? <laughs> None. And, uh, so, yeah, man, we, uh, we drank the Kool-Aid with Ark and been there uh, and didn't know... Uh, how to do anything, and then Ark showed us everything, and everything's been perfect, and we have so many people and so much money, and uh, so that's why we're here. <laughs> so, no, so yeah, it's us. Oh, my name is Mandy Colley. It's my husband, Joel, like you just said. We have three kids. Uh, They're 15, 13, and 9, and I don't know where we would be in this church planting without Ark, so we're just so thankful to be here and to be a part, be a part of this family. It's like a family reunion every time yes. we come to a an, an ARC event, so we love it, so thank you for having us. 
That's awesome. Thanks. Uh, my name is Adam Magania. Uh, I pastor a church called Active Church with my wife, Stacy. We launched uh, a year ago, just over a year ago, in San Luis Obispo, California, so about three hours north of here, uh, near the coast. We, uh, we're a small college town, and it has been the hardest and the most amazing uh, year of our lives. Um, and uh, we got two beautiful children, uh, seven and three, and um, my role has really just been um, to encourage people. Honestly, this has been the most, the season where I just feel like my job is to encourage people in their gifting and, and release people into what God's called them to do. And uh, our church launched, uh, we had uh, just over 400 people day one. Come on. Come on. And uh, we've seen uh, just about 340 people make decisions for Christ in the last 12 yeah. months. And so um, when Pastor Greg says this morning, dream bigger, yeah. um, it's not, it's God's timing, yeah. but it's certainly, it, God is the, he's the Lord of the harvest and he wants to do a, an Ephesians 3.20 work in your life. Whatever you're doing, God uh, wants you to dream bigger. And so we've seen that happen in our church, and it's by the grace of God. So this is my beautiful wife, Stacy. so I'll let her tell you a little bit about her. We kind of said it. <laughs> no, um, my name's Stacy, and yes, I'm his wife. I oversee a lot of the operations at Active, and I'm his biggest cheerleader. So She is. Um, and she's really honest with me, too. Yeah. <laughs> you need an honest person you <laughs> keep you back down. But we are very thankful for the ARC. Um, our first experience was really like, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, where's the Kool-Aid? Like, what is everyone <laughs> on? Um, but really, once you start getting connected, it really is family. Yeah. Just like Manny said, um, you just start building those relationships, and it's a big family reunion every year. So, yeah. Awesome. My name is Joe Adams. My wife and I, Alyssa, planted Manor Church in Colorado Springs in January. We just launched. So very excited about that. Less than a year in. My wife wishes she could be here, uh, but she is currently one month away from uh, giving birth to our second son. So uh, we didn't want to risk it traveling. (laughs) So if I get up and run out... It's not because I don't want to be here with you. It's because I get a phone call from my wife saying, get here now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, excited to be here. The truth is, about two years ago, I was sitting right here in a session just like this yeah. at the art conference in Birmingham. And so it was th- in this session, and now it's just a privilege to be able to be a part and share some of what I learned. Hopefully some things that will help you down the road. Yeah, so with that being said, uh, the topic of, uh, of discussion today, there's going to be three questions we'll kind of go through. And the first one is, what I wish I would have known before I planted with the ark or before I planted a church. And for many of you here today, you're going, um, I, I want to I do this. Or I feel like God's calling us to do this. And I feel like one thing that would, if you could walk out of here knowing is that none of us had all the answers and neither did the ark. The ark had a principle, has principles. The ark has a method. The ark has a, a, a best practices. But at the end of the day, God's going to give you vision for your city, and it's going to require faith to step out and trust that the process of doing this with the ark is simply you stepping out, God giving you people that are going to believe in you and are going to pray for you and are going to give you some. Hey, here's a proof of concept. It works. But at the end of the day, you got to step out and go, you know what, God, um, if you can walk out here knowing that no one's going to have all the answers, you won't either, but God, he'll meet you every step of the way. So hopefully our mistakes are things that we wish we would have known will help you in your journey. So uh, Joel, kind of maybe start us off with what are some things that you and Mandy uh, wish you would have known before this 
before you launched your church? Yeah, for sure. So just kind of give you a little context. Like we grew up very strict uh, Pentecostal in a very religious culture. And so everything was driven by results. Like here, here's a mission. I'll go do it by yourself. And if it doesn't work out, you're not spiritual enough and you're probably really not called. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we came into ARC and this life-giving uh, atmosphere that was so refreshing, uh, I really didn't believe them at first that they believed in me, that it wasn't really about results. It was more about relationship, that, hey, we're all trying to uh, just be obedient, let God produce the results. And so I wish... One of the things for me, I wish I would have known that, hey, these people were really legit when they said, hey, you're our biggest heroes. Like, we love you. And when you seen the big guys come off the stage and talk to people like me that hadn't even planted my church yet, that had no notoriety, no influence, didn't have a church, that they really believed in me 110%. And it took me, it took me a long time, I say a long time, probably about two or three years into my church plant to where I was really like, they really do mean what they say. Yeah. Like they really want to help. So like they're really accessible. They answer their calls. They return text. Yes. Um, they're really available to sit down and just and uh, and and, w- and if you, and if you do share, uh, you know, some vulnerability with them and some mistakes, they're going to be like, ha, ha. they're going to say two amazing words. Me too. Right. <laughs> and uh, they're going to say, I've been there. And, and, and they're not going to judge us. And they're not going to say, well, this really wasn't you were supposed to do. So now you're kicked out. Uh, and so that I wish I would have had that mentality going in that, hey, these people really, really do love mm-hmm. and they really do value their relationships. And then. The, the second thing for me is um, uh, gr- growing up very religious, my assignment was, all, was always my ministry. Uh, and I wish I would have known that my, um, uh, that my true number one calling was just to be a son yeah. to the father. My calling is not a pastor. That is my assignment. My city is my opportunity uh, to do my assignment. My number one calling is to be a son. And, uh, and if I pursue him that he will put everything into place. And there's so many more things I'll let her yeah. kind of dive in. I think my biggest thing is kind of piggybacking off of what he said. Like we had both grew up in church, very strict. And then we're in youth ministry for many, many years. And every church that we were ever a part of, it was like, there was always a competition with other churches. It's like, we know how to do it right. They don't. Our church right. is better. And you really didn't see the fellowship and the camaraderie between pastors and encouraging one another. And so Coming into the ark, a friend of us, a friend of ours, introduced us to it, and we came in and, like, I remember before we'd even launched, Chris Hodges comes off the stage, and we were close by. He was like, "You guys are my heroes," and we were like, "Wait, what? <laughs> like, why would you say that to us? Like, you don't even know us." And then I was, and then just getting to know people, like, I really wish that I would have pressed into those relationships just a little bit more and really gotten to know, especially the women, like the women of ark. Y'all, they are incredible, and they're so encouraging and so uplifting and life-giving. And so my biggest thing that I wish I would have done even before we launched is really cultivated those relationships, especially with, you know, the other pastor's wives. And even if they don't live close by and, you know, they'll tell you, get somebody's phone number. And, like, I would get the numbers. I'm like, I'm not going to text them. Like, they're too busy to talk to me. And I was putting a cap on their capacity and, you know, not even given that relationship an opportunity. And I think it had to do with a lot of insecurities in myself and then a lot of walls that I had built up from being hurt by leaders and by other church members. You know, you hear about church hurt is the worst hurt, and that's so true. And so I kind of came into it with a lot of walls. And so I just wish that I would have let those walls down even sooner and let those, you know, women speak into my life and cultivate those relationships. So I just want to encourage you, you know, if you're yeah. getting ready to launch or you're thinking about launching 
let ARC be, let, let those relationships come, let, 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 it, let them be family, let those relationships cultivate. And we have now found some of our best friends. Our kids have found friends with other, so with other church planners, you know, of, with their kids and stuff. So it's awesome to see those relationships. And it truly is family. And they're not just blowing smoke whenever they say, we believe in you and you're going to do great things. Like, they really do. They really do believe in you and they want to see you succeed. So. Yeah, I love that. I love, I love how you say it's a family. I think that's something you're going to hear a lot with the ark is it it just feels uh very like like a big family and i've been i think we've all been to conferences where you just feel like you can't approach someone you're like you know uh i I made the mistake of trying to take a selfie with justin bieber at the hillsong conference (laughs) don't do that uh don't do that he was like no and i'm like okay bro it's okay um i told that at my church and people were like they felt so bad for me yeah they're like oh justin denied you i'm like yes um (laughs) god bless him he's a good dude uh but you know, I think from us, Stacy and I, like, we came in, we didn't come from a church, a sending church, like right. a typical sending church. Um, it was very much like, I don't know, like, if you don't want to be a part of us, just like, go figure it out and good luck. And we really felt like kind of not orphan, but I don't yeah, know, like, it's too. like an orphan spirit. Like, who's my family then? Like, where do I go from here? And although, like, on the outside, like, we high five and they prayed us out. On the inside, I think Stacey and I felt very alone. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're there. Maybe you're feeling like, I don't know if my, like, they're for me, or I don't know if this is going to be, like, how it's going to be received in our, in our next staff meeting. If I say, hey, I went to the art conference, and pastor, you know, this, here's my heart. But here's what I want to tell you. Um, I wish I would have known, before I started the church, before I launched with the ARC, I wish I would have gotten real about the heart issues that I had with my, with the leaders in my life, mm-hmm. the fathers in my life, so true. the brothers in my, I wish I would have done what, what, what Solomon says in Proverbs 4, uh, 23, above all else, guard your heart mm-hmm. for it's the, the wellspring of life, Adam, and everything you do will flow from it. I wish I would have been like, I'm going to go into this season dealing with the things, my hurts of my past. Because as a leader in the church, we're so good at just pulling ourselves by our bootstraps onto the next event, onto the next big thing, onto the next sermon prep, and we just go keep going and smiling and everything's great. But listen, when you get around guys like around the ark and you sit around a table with a Greg Surratt Mm -hmm. and you hear the heart that he has as a leader of Mm -hmm. leaders and he tells you, man, don't don't worry about all that other stuff. Just take care of your wife and your kids because no one else will. Yes. You're going, yep. you're like the president of the ark. Yeah. And you're just giving me like raw, real stuff. He's like, Adam, guard your heart. Mm-hmm. People are going to hurt you. People are going to, it's going to be tough. Prepare yourself now and know that you're a son. Mm-hmm. And you're not having to prove yourself to anybody. If God's called you to do this thing, he will give you the resource, the people, the vision. He'll give you favor. But just guard your heart. What does that mean for me? It means that. I have to be very careful because I lead from emotive. I lead out of emotion sometimes. Mm-hmm. So when I lead people, I'm like, everyone should see it. Everyone should be like on board. And when I feel like I'm rejected or challenged, I close up and I pull away from people. Mm-hmm. And I found myself isolated at certain times this last year. And in those seasons, I had to reach out to my guys that I could be vulnerable with. And not just, not just transparent, but vulnerable. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I have guys in the ark. That I could tell, I could tell them something, and that it could ruin me if, if someone knew. Literally, I'm like, dude, if you told anyone this, it would ruin me. 
but they get it. And it's a very small group of people. Mm-hmm. So you need that tribe. That's a very, I guess, not practical thing, but Stacy's probably got some practical stuff because she's very mm-hmm. practical, but go ahead. <laughs> yes, I'm going to go in a little different direction. Um, mine's more based off of, uh, as the church, of, of things that I would have done differently. And one thing when I was thinking back of what would have I done differently before we launched um, would be the challenges that you have when you launch with only one service. Yeah. Um, we have such a large venue that we ended up having to launch with one service. Um, and I didn't take into account how that would affect our children's ministry. So you have your children's ministry uh, not sitting in service because there's only one service. And we didn't have any sermons or anything recorded. So we started seeing like a really fast like burnout of children's ministry workers. And so we got together as a team and got real creative. Like, what could we do? Like, how do we fix this problem? So immediately, you know, we started recording our services. Even though they weren't the best, we, we gave them to our children's ministry um, until we were able to start live streaming. And then on top of that, we decided to start doing pre-service huddles which was just for our serve team. And what that did is it brought all of our volunteers that were in our children's ministry over every morning. And we would do about 30 minutes and we would do a worship set. Um, We would do some highlights of the sermon that was going to take place that day. And just from doing that, we've been doing that now for like probably like six months. Um, We have like seen like our turnover rate, like completely like drop, like, People are excited. They're, they come to the pre-service. They go back, and they feel like they got fed. Even though it's only 30 minutes, they feel like they got fed. So for me, that would be um, that I would have recorded our services sooner and that we would have done something special to love on that team so they felt included. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I wish I would have known that we were going to have the first snowstorm of the season on our watch day. <laughs> there you go. That was, a, that was a big surprise. But, you know, honestly, when I, when I first saw this question, I kind of racked my brain because nothing was coming to my mind immediately. And what I realized was through the ARC training and the process that we went through, man, we were really prepared. Yeah. And I talked to a lot of people, and they said all these things were going to happen. Um, and I was like, okay, maybe that's going to happen. Maybe it's not going to happen. But, but I had them in my head. So it wasn't... For us, in our experience, there wasn't a whole lot of things that we didn't know was going to happen. It was that even though we knew it, we weren't exactly prepared. For yeah. It. And so I knew that there were going to be high highs and low lows. I just didn't know how the, how high those highs were going to be, how low the lows were going to be. Yeah. I knew that my marriage was going to be tested. I just didn't know in what way it was going right. to be tested. I knew that there was going to be spiritual opposition and spiritual warfare. I just wasn't sure exactly what that looked like. And I am so grateful mm-hmm. that I had a group of people art coaches, art team members, other planters, friends of mine that went on to plant the years before that told me about these things. And so when I went through them, I had guys that I could call immediately and say, hey, I'm dealing with this right now. What do I do? And they would walk with me through this thing and say, hey, you got this. And the cool thing was, I think if I didn't at least have some people speaking into my life beforehand, as soon as I went through one of those, I'd be like, oh, I messed up. I failed. I'm doing something wrong here. Hmm. No, this is what every church planner experiences and now we've got some guys around us yeah. that can help us walk through it when we go through it. I like how you said, you know, you, you know what to expect, but you're like, how am I going to respond or am I prepared for that? And I feel like so much of, of preparation comes from just talking to people that are doing what you want to do. And, and being around people that are, in, that are in seasons that you're like, you know what, I need to get to know this person. I think Joel kind of talked about it too. The arc is such a great opportunity to like really connect with people and if someone gives you their number like 
Dude, that person is opening themselves up to you. Don't say, well, they're too busy. I used to do this. Oh, they're too busy. I, I don't want. And I'll get, I'll see him next conference. Hey man, you never called me. Where you been? And I'm like, I just thought you were too busy. No, no, no. And Joel, you said it. Well, yeah. how'd you say it? When it was- uh, well, someone gave me their number about three years ago at a conference and, and really the next year, he was like, hey, man, you never called me. And I was like, well, man, you're just, I know how busy you are. And he's like, don't judge my capacity to handle relationships. That's not fair to me. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about hitting you on the, <laughs> in the eyes. And, um, and, uh, and so, so don't do that. Don't put a cap on their ability to handle your questions and your relationship that, and I, I know every one of us would give you our numbers just to call yeah. and, and we're either going to say, I don't know, give me 30 minutes to call somebody else, or, or we're going to make up something really good in the moment. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's a huge thing. And the, and the beautiful thing about ARC is, is that every single year, uh, it, the systems get better and the systems are yeah. proven to work uh, just by the track record. Um, and the, the biggest thing, again, that what we wish we would have known is the, just the spiritual and the emotional toll that it was going to be on our bodies and our, our emotions and our spirit. And that's one thing that you really can't, you can prepare for it, but you can't prepare for it. We can prepare for the numbers, prepare for launch day, with the weather, all that kind of stuff. Let the systems do their work because they work. Yeah. Number one, be a son and be a daughter. And be the best son and daughter to God that you possibly can be. And then that other emotional and spiritual stuff with people of like-minded faith that love you, that will tell you what you want to hear, what you need to hear, dive into those relationships and cultivate them and let God continue to grow you physically, mentally, and spiritually. Yeah, that's true. It's true. And I think, remember my buddy Aaron, one of my overseers, Aaron Burke, he pastors an amazing church called Radiant uh, in Tampa, Florida. And um, he told me, he said, I said, what should I be prepared for? I kind of asked him, like, what, what should I really be prepared for in this season? And he says, Adam, um, I have a, a, my car can run at 7,000 RPMs. It hits the rev, the rev limiter. And then it goes back down when I shift the gear. He says, but in this season, and this is kind of where you have to manage the tension and really kind of monitor your health as a leader and as a Christian, as a son of God, not just a doer. He says, I have to run at 7,000 RPM sometimes. And he goes, you know what? My car can stay at that, at that rev. I can hit that rev limiter for a while. But eventually something will break. And he goes, in this season, you're going to have to run really hard to get this thing going. And what I, what I found was he was absolutely right. There was coffee meeting after coffee meeting yes. after coffee meeting. I mean, we went from Stacy and I dated. We had like 92 people on our launch team. We didn't know any single person except for the two people that we brought from Las Vegas when we moved to our city. So you can imagine the, the toll it takes on your body just to get this thing started. Mm-hmm. So if I, anything I could tell you is that be prepared to work hard but know when you're hitting that rev limiter and know the rhythm uh, that you and your spouse need to run at. So, um, yeah. Um, let's talk about maybe uh, – do you want to add anything to that, uh, Joe, or anything no, else? Great. Cool. Um, let's talk about what we wish we would have done differently. And this can be one of those questions that Pastor Greg said earlier. He's like, I hate that question. Uh, he's like, I do nothing differently or everything differently. Let's talk about maybe uh, from a perspective of – what, what do you wish you could have done differently or what would you have told yourself in that season 
uh, before you launched or what would you have done differently as you rolled everything out? So, uh, Joe, do you want to kind of jump into that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just get real, real practical for you guys. Um, in the art training, you'll go through a whole lot of stuff on marketing yeah. and how to get the word out about your, the plant that's going to be started. And uh, one of those things they talk about is mailers, social media, and anything and everything that you can do for marketing. Um, and we did it all. Everything they mentioned, we did. Like, yeah. We're going full bore on this thing. I wish I would have put more money into social media advertising. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So I, I didn't realize how much of an impact that made. And so we divided up our budget, did all these different things. And then during our launch day, we actually captured from people, how did you hear about us? And so I've got stats that I could show you on exactly what came. And the number one thing was the mailer. Yeah. Uh, but we spent over $15,000 on our mm. mailer. And we spent $5,000 on social media, and yet just under our mailer, like two people less, said they heard about us through social media. $5,000 for almost the same number of people as the mailer, which we spent $15,000 for. So I just want to encourage you guys, don't overlook the power of social media, Instagram and Facebook and those things. They they have a reach that you'd be surprised, surprised with. That's so good. That's so good. Would you guys, uh, you guys launched five years ago, so yeah. there's a little, little bit the, different landscape, but yeah, I, I have like two things. First of all, I think it's very important, like your communicating seasons with your spouses. Also, if you have kids, communicate those seasons to your kids as well. Mm-hmm. And we did that in some aspects, but our kids were a lot younger than what they are now when we launched, and so you kind of overlook like what they hear and see and what they're taking in and. We were never portable. We had we actually were blessed with the building, but with that comes huge challenges as well. We had yeah. to completely remodel, and you have a lot of overhead. Well, in the remodeling part process, Joel would get up before the kids went to bed, and he was coming in after they are. He would before they got up, he was leaving, and after they went to bed, he was coming home, just painting and doing, just working at the church. And one night, our middle one, she was like, "Hey, is Dad going to be spending the night at the church again?" And I was like. <laughs> Dad's not been spending the night at the church, I promise. Daddy's been home with us. And so it's just really important to let them know yeah. that, you know, we're still going to be mom and dad and just not making it, which thankfully with ARC, they helped us to kind of like how to present this to our kids and bring our kids along in the journey. They've always been a part of it. But just making sure you communicate those very busy seasons to them and letting them know. And then second of all, something kind of um, practical, whenever we started like launch team meetings, Looking back now, we wish we wouldn't have started those as regularly as we did because the mm. peop- they were wanting to have church. Yeah. And, like, those weren't supposed to look like church yet. It was yep. supposed to be launch team meetings and interest meetings and stuff. And so that became a little bit of a challenge. Like, our people who, were, who had not been to church in a long time because they had kind of lost that place, that home, and now they're coming to be a part of Relevant. Well, why can't we just have church? We have our team now. Let's just have church. Yeah. So we did implement, like, some worship nights and stuff like that, meeting together and, you know, like, do devotionals and stuff. But as far as, like, our launch team meetings, it became a little difficult <clears throat> because we started them a little regularly too soon. That's, so I would just say, you know, be careful with that. And, and thankfully now like that. we kind of paved the way and give Ark some input. But now you'll get, hey, this is when you have your first one, and this is the amount of time to have another one. Yeah. And so you'll get like a detailed, itemized sheet on when to do some of those things. Probably what I would do different, yeah. and, and this yeah. is uh, this is a result of how I was raised as well. Like, you know, you had to get a fresh word from God every single day or you wasn't anointed and all that kind of stuff. I'll never forget uh, in our in, in the first uh, our conference that we went to before we launched, Pastor Chris said, hey, all of our stuff is on the grow site. I've already preached. I've already spent hours studying it. Take the first year, preach my stuff, and spend time with people. Mm-hmm. I was almost a little offended. 
Like, I'm spiritual enough to get my own stuff. <laughs> Instead of just saying thank yeah. you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got a, I got a word. You know what I'm saying? I'm pregnant with a word. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I wish I would have gotten that concept sooner because about nine to ten months in, I was preaching so good, but I wasn't connected with anybody. And uh, so I literally stopped, and I and I got his sermon series calendar, and for the next two years, I only preached his sermon series calendar, and I spent time with people. Yeah, yeah, building relationships. And uh, and because you'll go through a couple phases in your church plant. In the beginning, you'll be mom and dad, and you're trying to gather the kids in. Okay, you're just trying to gather people. A church planter, if you can breathe and you smell good, we want you to come in and you know what I'm saying, be a part. Here's a parking baton and here's a guitar, you know. And then you'll go through the coaching phase to where you're you're establishing coaches and you're trying to train team members for specific jobs. That's so good. And uh, and so I would say let it be okay to spend time with people and let and let the pros who have been doing this for years and have spent time prayer and fasting that's planned out these preaching calendars, all their outlines are there. Yeah. You just got to print so it out it and put you your know? church name on it. Yeah. <laughs> put your stories in it. And, um, uh, put put uh, your personality on it. Yeah. Hey, Ed Young said, you got eyes, plagiarize. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I, I, I wish I would have done that sooner and I would have been a lot more connected in the beginning with the people because I should have been spending time with them instead of been trying to look good in front of them on Sundays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's so good. I, you know, one of the things that I feel like a lot of times we, we can over-spiritualize things that are really just practical steps that uh, God's like, you need to do this. Um, one of the things that we were coached to do and that we, we I kind of dropped the ball on, Stacy didn't, uh, which was creating a clear standard operating procedures for people. Yes. You want to hand off responsibility, not titles. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's really easy Really easy to give a title. Mm-hmm. And this is something the ARC will coach you on until the cows come home. Yes. But it's super hard to take one away. Yep. So what I did is I kind of swung the pendulum a little too far. So what I wish I would have done differently, I swung it too far on no titles. No ti- No one gets a title. No one gets a title. But what I didn't do is I didn't clarify the goal for each ministry clearly. So people created their own reality in some areas. So I had to spend time reeling things in a little yes, bit. And I'm, yes. to some degree, we're still kind of getting there. We're not perfect. But we're, what, what I really wish I would have done was heeded my wife's advice a little more. Like, hey, have you finished that? I'm working on it, babe. Uh, because I'm just relational. I love people. And by the way, if you don't love people, don't, don't lead a church. Go sell insurance. Do something else. I'm serious. Like, you've got to love people. Yeah. And sometimes loving people is telling them the truth. And say, hey, dude, this is not good for you. And so what I realized is I just like, I like, I love people. And I like getting people together. And what happened was I had a lot of people fired up. And a lot of people ready to mobilize. But because I didn't hand out those clear expectations soon enough, it created a little bit of lack of clarity, which kind of caused us to have a false start in a few areas. So if I were you, I would go talk to every single person with, from Grow. Go, go pick the top three churches that you love. Mm-hmm. I would 
Give your launch team their sermons and say, listen to this guy. He, I love him. I listen to this guy every single week. And let your launch team listen to the people you listen to. And then call their places and say, I want to talk to someone about who oversees kids. I want to talk to someone that oversees first impressions. And they will give you content that you can literally copy and paste and make it yourchurch.com and make that your standard operating procedure for how you do ministry. It will help team members go further faster. That's what I would say, too, is having Ditto. those SOPs um, ready for your team before you launch. It saves you a lot of headache in the long run. Obviously, you'll have to revise those as you guys launch because things change and they don't always go the way that you think they are. Um, another thing I would say is don't say no for people. Um, sometimes it's hard to ask people to do things because you feel like you're bothering them. Um, or no, they're not going to do that. They're too busy. But really, like, just ask, and you'll be surprised that people actually say yes. So, yeah. yeah. Can I have one more thing? Yeah, please. Yeah. So one of the one of the things that I would say is uh, I would stress less. And what I realized is all the pressure that I was feeling leading up to launch was all the pressure I was putting on myself. Wow. Because yeah. wow. all of my mentors, my coaches, the sending church. They didn't have all these expectations that I thought they had. They were just rooting us on. Yeah. They were cheering for us. They were supporting us. And yeah. so I had all this pressure. Oh, we got to do so well. We have to do X, Y, Z. And all I got was people text me, so excited. They didn't even know what happened on our first Sunday. Mm-hmm. So excited for you guys. We're praying for you guys. We got videos in on launch day. All this pressure was pressure yeah. I put on myself. Mm-hmm. And I stressed way more than I ever needed to. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I think we oftentimes get, get the idea that, like, God does want to include us in everything he's doing but he doesn't need us mm-hmm. he wants to include he he wanted to raise up a leader to to, to send to, to deliver his people so he raised up moses but how many of you guys believe he would have raised somebody else up if moses didn't say yes yeah that's true and your culture if you need people to get it done then your culture will never be what it needs to be because God doesn't need anybody. He wants to include people in that. Mm -hmm. And I would have been so much more clear about what we're doing, what we're trying to build early on, so that I could say, that's not us. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, you feel so much pressure to be like, come one, come all, let's all be part of the launch team, let's all build this church, because you feel a lot of pressure. But as I've gotten just a year into this, and so take it for what it's worth, I'm a year year old leader uh, of of a church that's a year old, but now I feel so much more confident to say, you know what? It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you turn down the haze? You know, I have this cough thing. No, I'm so sorry. It's, just, it's not for everybody. And when you realize that you're building something, like you're going to build something for your city that God wants you to do. And guess what? The only person that can't leave is you. Yeah. So don't do something to please someone that you don't even know is going to be there in a year from now. Just build the church that God's called you to do. Run your race and stay in your lane. And God will use that and he'll bless that. And you'll like going to your church. (laughs) Let's talk about what we would do all over again. And for some of us, that's a short list. For some, it's a long list. I would say um, for us, we did some stuff right. Uh, I think Stacy... Maybe you can get, do you want to start us off on this one? What you, we would do the same. Yeah. Um, I would say like marketing, social media, that's like, you have to do that. Like the majority of the people that you get coming through your doors on your first Sunday, um, you know, that's where they're going to come from. Also, another thing is on your connect card, don't be afraid to put like, how'd you hear about us? Because that's going to let you know where to spend your monies um, when you do start marketing uh, again 
yeah. Yeah, and, and, and take heed consultants. Like, like you don't have to. I just spent 30 minutes talking to a guy that leads at a level that he's coaching pastors that are leading much bigger churches than ours. And that's what the ARC provides. You kind of got this, like, kind of hot stove of people that have great ideas and they're leading at a much higher level than you. I just ask them, you know, I ask people all the time, so what, what would you do if you were me? And people like, like, oh, you know, here's what I would do. What we did is we got to, together with an ARC-approved marketing agency, and we just asked some questions. We paid them some money. And let me tell you something. There's a, there's a lot of people that are really amazing at things that you just will never be that good at. You're like, oh, I'm pretty good. I know how to work like some sort of program on my computer, and my wife knows how to do that. No, 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 no. Your job is to lead. Your job, you're, not, you're no longer the graphics guy. You're no longer the video editor guy. You're a lead pastor or you're leading a church. So let people like the ARC connect you to resources like Plain Joe Studios. That they did our logo. And these are guys that are literally working with Disney, working with major Fortune 500 companies. But they also have a heart for the local church. So lean into that. Spend a little money and let the marketing – because it, it, the ch- local church is the best message. The hope of the world resides in your heart, in our mouths. We can proclaim it to the rooftops, but if no one's listening to our brand, then we're missing out. And so we need to lean into that, that social media aspect of marketing. I think it's so important. Uh, what about you guys? What would you do uh, the same in, yeah. in your context? Yeah, for, for sure. The same is, is just running the play consistently. Because uh, your your plan is going to go through seasons. You know, you're less than a year. You're a year. We're five and a half years in, and uh, you'll go through seasons of hey, this is working amazingly. This doesn't feel like it's working really well. You'll do little tweaks and changes. But Pastor Lane Surratt sat in a room one day, and and I was like, hey man, we had this major issue with next steps. You know what it is. Well, you know, and, and we kind of talked about it, and he said, just keep running the play. Keep running the play. And I was like, but it's not working right now. He said, well, keep running it because it has been tried. It's been true. It works for a church of 65,000 people. It's working for our church then at 350 people. Just keep running the play because people go through seasons. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have high attendance numbers. You're going to have low attendance numbers. Keep running the play. And we did that. And we, and now again, where we are, cultures are different, stuff like that. We'll tweak it to make it work best for us. But overall, there's a basic foundation that we continue to run the play and let the system that's designed to work, that has been proven to work, continue to work in every avenue, every aspect. And so, um, and that's, you touched a little bit, another thing I would have done different, kind of going back to that really quick, is that ARC doesn't fill booth spaces because they're trying to get money because they're hurting for money. <laughs> yeah. They fill booth spaces because they are proven, um, they've been vetted. Uh, people that have your best interests at heart. Uh, I see Accelerate back there. Like, we didn't go with a, a finance company that they approved in the beginning. We wanted to do it ourselves. We were trying to save money. Uh, and actually, one reason we didn't pull the trigger with them because we have it so dispersed in so many different things at five and a half years in, and we're trying to consolidate some stuff and bring some stuff in so we can just give it to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but, but I saw him back there. I'm like, man, I wish to God I would have listened and said, hey, give it to people like them. Let them so do good. it. Let them carry the load so you can do what God's called you to do because I'm not a finance guy. I'm not. And uh, and I don't want to I don't want to be. <laughs> you know, I want to be what I'm good at. And, uh, and that's one thing I would continue to do the same is that I've never tried to be a finance yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. I let people do that, and I would continue to play into 
my strengths and be confident what God has called me to do. And another thing that I would continue to do is listen to this woman right here. Amen. <laughs> Seriously. And I give her permission. If you see something or anything at all, you tell me and I, there's no questions asked. And if, if I don't need to do it, if you don't feel good about it, you know, we're making some big decisions for a big reno project. Uh, and people pressure me, you do this and you do that. I always go home. How do you feel about it? Yeah. And because uh, at the end of the day, guess when we'll lay down and go to bed with? <laughs> if you listen. Huh? If I listen. So, yeah, I would run the play and I well, would listen to it. I, and I think it kind of t- touches on there's a lot you just said that was so good, Joel. Um, work the plan, the plan works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a California kid, born and raised. I grew up in Bakersfield, California. My wife and I were born in the same hospital in Bakersfield, California, 10 days apart. Graduated from Stockdale High School in Bakersfield. Went to Cal State Bakersfield. I mean, I, I'm a Bakersfield boy. So we're in this hodgepodge of kind of not so much L.A., not Northern California. We're just in the middle of California. Great Mexican food. Oil town. A lot of smog. But I know California, I feel like, pretty well. I've spent time in I lived at Heavenly. I snowboard. I used to. I snowboard a lot, and I used to do a lot more. I worked at Heavenly for two seasons. I feel like California is this like unique, like nut to crack uh, in the church world. And people were saying, "Well, the Ark, you know, it's just like a. It only works in the South. There's a little people had. I told people I'm going to plant a church. I think, and I think we're going to go with the Ark. And it's only a South thing, like a Southeast. Like it's really not going to work in California. And let me tell you, the Ark doesn't teach you how. It doesn't necessarily contextualize everything for your city. But it gives you principles that you're going to go, oh, my gosh, that works. I just need to white label it, repackage it, and implement it into our context. And I would – what I would do again, first off, is I would play it with the ark every single time. If I send someone out of our church, if they're not going to plant an active campus, they will plant – if they're going to come from our church and we're going to send them, we're only sending them through the ark, period. That's why – AG, that's why AG churches all across America, that's why Foursquare started, like, all these big denominations are looking at the art going, what are they, how are they doing that? What's going on? Let's send our guys there. It's just because it works. Yeah. Art's not going to give you a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. That's grow, that's consultant, that's all sorts of other stuff. But, man, the art will help you launch strong. So I would launch with the art. And then secondly, here's what I would do. I'd be relentless again about planting a church for unchurched people. Yeah. I would not, I would, okay, people told me all sorts of weird stuff. If you don't have this type of ministry, you're not going to make it. If you don't do this, you're not going to make it. If we don't tell people what worship is and teach for 15 minutes and then do worship at the end, no one's going to get saved. Literally, I had someone tell me that. And I was like, yeah, bro, we're not going to do that. We're going to work a plan. We're going to do what's working. We're going to imitate before we innovate. And guess what? There's 340-some people that have said yes to Jesus, and their eternity will never be the same because we just went, God will do whatever it takes. We'll work a plan. And it, it worked. It worked. And so I would do that all over again. Yeah. 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 Any other thoughts that we want to talk about? We have time for – do you guys want to share anything? Mandy, do you have anything else? Uh, no, I was just going to say real quick. Like you said exactly what I was going to say. Like if you are kind of still kicking the tires with the ARC and kind of wondering like is this direction we need to go in, never not – not one time have we ever regretted planting through with ARC, through ARC. Like they've just been phenomenal. Yeah. And also like something that 
you know, the ARC helped us with, like, with us growing up, like, we grew up, like, you didn't have planning center or whatever, like, <laughs> sister so-and-so, you come up and sing a special, you know, nothing was planned. And with us being, we're still in the Bible Belt in Kentucky, we ran into a lot of challenges with church people coming in being like, what, you're going to plan your service? Well, how's the Holy Spirit going to move in that? You, that's not possible for the Holy Spirit to move if you've got all this planned out. Yeah. And so just the, sticking with it because it works and sticking with the model that the art gives you. And so be encouraged in that, that because we ran into a lot. That was probably one of our biggest challenges was getting church people to jump on board with the direction and the vision that God had given how relevant church was supposed to look in this city. And so... That's something that we would definitely do the same, you know, is yeah, I think one, running with that model. One thing for me as well, and Pastor Greg Surrett said this, especially dealing with your launch team. How many of you have a launch team? You're building a launch team. You're in process, all that. Some people are meant to be pillars. Some people are meant to be scaffolding. scaffolding yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was like, in five years, 85% of your launch team won't be with you. And I almost called him a liar to his face <laughs> because I'm like, you don't know my people. They're loyal to me. They love me. <laughs> and, uh, and we're five and a half years in, and, and I think we probably have maybe 5% of our original launch team with us. Wow. And, um, and some of it's been great. A few of them have, have has not been so great. Yeah. But I was in, 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 so every time somebody comes in new, uh, we just had a huge mover and shaker start coming to our church in our city. Uh, and I'm just, I'm praying right now, God, is he a pillar or is he scaffolding? Is he going to help us get to the next level or is he going to help hold foundational uh, principles for our church? And so just kind of, you know, look across that and, and be okay with it uh, and, and be okay to launch other people out into their ministries and what God has called them to do. And that's what I say, you know, hey, we just, we've been a launching pad to train up other people to go out and do different parts of ministry and reach people that we'll never reach and, and be a secure enough leader. Uh, you know, to be okay with, you know, who's going to be scaffolding and who's going to be pillars. And one of the ways you can know who that is, sometimes people will let you know, hey, yeah, it was great, bro, but yeah. we're out. But other times um, you promote culture, not competency. Yep. Yeah. That's what I've learned is that if you bleed our culture, I will promote you and give you more over someone that might inherently just come in and go, hey, I'm a Biola grad. I got all this stuff. Look at my resume. I'm going to say, hey, uh, join and serve team. Mm-hmm. Star Life Group and uh, just love people and let's see how that works for six months and guess what God will show you who the people are the pillars yeah. and who the people that we're scaffolding the, the culture you create will either promote that in and up or out so yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to say anything else guys or you want to take some questions and answers or where do you want to go we have time for do we have time for yeah. Q&A Josh yeah. Uh, oh yeah let's go ahead and questions oh yeah for sure okay so this for you um what has your what has been your strategy like concerning a college? Like, because obviously I'm assuming that's obviously a target, but like where we're going to be planning, that's like a large or a large population. But college kids are going to keep the lights on. Yeah, so yeah. So you can't, you know, isolate them. What's your name? My name's Hadley. H- Hadley? Yeah. That's my daughter's name. Really? Yeah. H a d l e y. I was obviously born first. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. I love that. No, that's a great name. I call her. I won't call you Hattie Bug. Okay. Um, I think you should. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hashtag. Hashtag Hattie Bug. Okay. So Hadley, um, the question. Your question was. I'll reframe it. Hey, um, you're in a college city. We have Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, huge booming college town. Uh, you know, twenty five thousand and growing. Uh, how? What was your strategy on how to reach them or not reach them, or what did you guys do to kind of catalyze that momentum with college students? Yeah. Like we've been discussing service or 
Okay, perfect. Okay, you're going to reach. Okay, everyone's like, who's your target? Who's it? You know, Saddleback Sam, if you've been a part of the Purpose Driven Movement at all, there was a 37-year-old male. He's this, you know, he's got 2.5 kids. you got to have an idea of who, who you are to know who you're going to attract. So if you've had history with, like, people, like, I've always been around guys that are a few decades older than me. I play golf. I like just asking questions because I'm not that smart. I just like to ask questions. She can attest to this. Um, I just ask questions because I don't know a lot. So I'll ask. So I've had a lot of favor and a lot of connection with guys that are maybe 50s, 60s. And I've had a lot of influence with college-age students. So guess what? I had a lot of influence with guys that are a few decades older and college-age students. Did we target market and do this analysis of – No. We actually, what we did is we said the same thing. We're like, well, college students are going to come if they like the service and like the experience, not because we marketed them. And especially millennials, they don't want to go. There's, they want to go to the things that no one's going to. It's weird. So we became a really cool, hip, young church on accident. And actually, it kind of scared us because we're like, oh, crud, how are they going to, how are we going to keep the lights on? But here's what happened. We realized that we inherently had influence with college students. So what we did just a few months ago, we kind of had a strat-op session. And we said, we need, we've had automatic, like Craig Groeschel says, in 2007, they had, like, they had their meet, annual meeting. And they're like, hey, how's your online thing doing? Like, oh, amazing. How much money have you put into it? Not a lot. Well, why don't you put more money into that? So we said, let's put more money and energy into college students and we've seen already, I mean, last, last Sunday, it was just a huge influx of college students. So our strategy was we didn't have one. We went after families. We went after middle of the road. We go after M, right? A to Z. We want to be M in the middle. We want to create as big a net as we can. But college students came because they will, what, what, if, you're, if your worship experience is dynamic, you have a cool venue or you have a younger crowd, you'll, you'll get what you, ha- what you are. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a roundabout way of saying it, so. Yeah. Do you mind if I add something real yeah. quick to that? As well, if you're even if you're targeting college students, if you're excellent, excellent will track all kinds of people. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The older people, yeah. So I'd just be excellent. That's a great question. Yeah. yeah. I'm still chewing on it too. Brandon, yeah. Can you guys talk a little bit about the financial journey? And you talked about kind of the, the procedures and things that you learned wouldn't do. What about the capital that you need to launch? Way more than what you have. We didn't have any yeah. big givers whatsoever. We nickel and dimed it all the way to what we had to do until just being honest with you. Like, we sent out letters. We had one family member send us $1,000. And so, like, it took a lot of faith. And But we have a really cool story, too, if you want to share, like, with the, with the, the postage thing that kind of... Oh, we, so, we had somebody from our So, number one, it, it, it costs a lot more than what you think, for yeah, sure. Yeah, we had a lot um, of, like, little hiccups. We, so, so, back in 2013, um, it, we moved in July and launched in February. So, in nine months, we had two other families we, that we met there. And we gathered 62 people and raised $109,000. $46,000 went into a reno of turning an old gym into a church. Uh, and, and, and I had talked to actually, uh, TJ's here. He was one of my coaches. He launched in Sarasota a couple years before I did. And I was like, how did you raise this money? He said, I begged people. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was, I'll never forget just getting on the phone and just sharing my heart, sharing my vision, uh, and, and just in raising money and just trying the best of my ability to do that. 
and and then and then on the spiritual side, God's always faithful. Like when we like we spend eight thousand dollars on a mailer because we live in a smaller town, and our our five hundred one c three hadn't been officially approved, and so where we were going to get tax-free postage, but then the last minute we didn't. Wow. And so we had 30,000 flyers sitting uh, at Mailwork saying, hey, I need 4,000 more dollars in order for me it. to mail these out. And I didn't have it. And uh, so what's funny is a, uh, one of the guys from ARC called me and he said, hey, man, how's it going? And I had literally gotten that phone call like two hours before, and I was like, you don't even know uh, like what just happened. He was like, well, tell me. And so I was like, man, we're just praying. He was like, okay, man, well, that's great. We'll be praying. Click. Uh, well, an hour later, somebody, hey, so-and-so from ARC called me. I got a check for you for $4,000. Come on. That's so and, um, and so, like, so, and our mailer got to go out, and it was late going out, but it still went. People showed up. But it's, it's – Just continue casting vision. And, like, our financial, like the way that they break it up, I don't even know those correct term for it but it looked a little different because we weren't portable Mm -hmm. so there were we had to put money into carpet and taking down walls and paint and you know all these different things as where somebody who's portable it's going to look a little different um but yeah just continuing to cast vision to people and pray for god to open up those doors of people of influence like god connect me with these business people who want something to give to you know because they're in your city you can cut corners on and there's certain things like marketing and your brand yeah, that's how you that get people you don't there. need to cut corners on. Because yeah. we were like, maybe we can design or we'll use so-and-so's cousin, you know, that does it on the side. And, and <laughs> it was so it was bad. The first money. logo was so And they were bad. like, you got to spend some money. And when somebody tells you, hey, you know, it's going to cost you five grand to set up your brand, you need to do it. Yeah, and, yeah. it's and very so true. You, I, y'all probably can talk I, about I, practical decisions. Yeah, and I think the question, you know, that question is so great. Like, how do we really financially, how do we fund this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Does it just come, you know, the ARC matches, which is an amazing, yes. uh, to go and sit in, in front of a business owner and say, hey, I'm so glad we could have coffee today, man. I'm so, I, I, we love you guys. We're, we've seen you guys from afar and we love what your business does for the city. And um, man, can I just, I just want to share my heart just for a few minutes on like why we're here. Cause you know, I want to honor your time. So I want to take 30 minutes and you sit in front of a, of a kingdom builder mm-hmm. and you share your heart for the city. And you don't make yourself a champion. You don't make yourself the hero. You're not the hero. The city's the hero. Jesus is the hero. And you say, I just want more people to fall in love with Jesus because here's what happened in my life. And I think when we have, we build a healthy church, man, we build healthy families. We see God restore things that are broken and you cast that vision and you say, and not only that, we have an organization called the Association of Related Churches. That, man, when they get behind church planners, you know, I'm not a math guy, but, man, 92% of those guys that they get behind are successful church plants in a world that has a 7 out of 10 failure rate. They have a 9 out of 10 success rate. I'm not a numbers guy, but, man, those are some good stats. And not only that, they're going to give us coaches and, and Mr. You know, business owner, they're going to give us dollar for dollar. So when you invest in active church you're investing in future families of, of what God wants to do in the city, but you're but a dollar for every you know dollar you give is being matched. I think it's a pretty good deal, man. We're super excited. So, uh, this, blah, blah blah. When you say that, people go, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you have to do? Well, you got to get in front of people. Yeah. So we had to get in front of people. We had to have a lot of awkward conversations. Yes. You fumble over your pitch. A lot of notes. A lot of notes. <laughs> a, a lot of yeah. failure. And uh, at the end of the day, people will believe in you based off of the vision you cast, not the needs that you have. Oh, we got to do this, and this is going to cost. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the vision? Yeah. What's your heart? Believe in and it. They, and do you believe in it? Then I'll believe in you. 
So. And you'll be surprised too that the people that you think are going to give are the people who don't give. Yeah. And like the people that you would never expect to give are actually the ones who are yes. going to give to you and believe in you. So. Yeah. People are watching. Any other questions? Does that help at all? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What's your question? What are your thoughts on portable church versus permanent church? Um, okay, so I have a lot of thoughts, but there's not a lot of time. So I'll just say it like this. Um, if you could find a good portable location that's highly visible, that's in a good location, and you can raise, uh, you can raise enough money to buy good portable church equipment, which you should be able to, um, then do portable church nine times out of ten. Yes. There's one, maybe one time. I mean, yeah, Joel could talk to this a little bit. Uh, we're portable. It's gr- it's great to have a location. I wish we had a location. I mean, it'd be nice to have a place where we could hang our hat. And we finally actually do have a building for offices, which is praise God. Um, but I think portable church is the best way to get to reach people with the lowest amount of investment yes. and the most return on the most best return on your investment. So most people want a place to hang their hat. It's easier, but portable church gives your church a sense of drive and mission mm-hmm. early on and gives people a chance to buy into that and move some chairs, move, set up, tear down. It creates community. So it's really good. So, um, you, you want to talk yeah, about that's that? That's great. But with yeah. like, uh, with having a building, you have rent and you have a light bill yeah. and you have Over ACs here. go out and you, you know, there's a lot that there's a lot of pros and cons. The pros were, you know, we had our building. We could use it anytime for anything, practices and everything. But where we live at, none of this. So the, one of the very first school shootings that ever happened was in Paducah, and it really wow. wasn't televised. It was at Heath High School. And so none of the high schools would even look at opening their building up to an extra day to churches. They were funny about that. The movie theater would not even look at us. It was just like we couldn't be portable. Actually, there was no place to be portable at. And we knew there was a total God thing, like this building, it Wow. It was a crazy yeah. God thing, like the amount yeah. that we had to, that God blessed us with, that we only had to pay. So, you know, there's pros and cons with both. So you have to figure out well, what one of, works. One of the biggest things, like, you know, even uh, friends of mine that has planted the same economic status and in, in same size town that we're in, I'm like, man, you guys have all this, you know, extra income on your P&L because we'll compare stuff. And the biggest thing was they were portable and we were not. We had all this overhead. Yeah. And then our third year, we spent over 40000 in HVAC because stuff going out, we had to replace stuff. And one thing that you don't want in your kids' ministry, that'll be freezing in the winter and hot in the summer. Mm-hmm. And so we were taking all these different resources, and, and like we couldn't hire somebody because we spent so much money in HVAC on a building. And so if you can be portable, especially some of the vendors here that can do it so excellent, do it. But yeah. we're, we were just a unique case. And yes, God's been faithful. God worked it out. Um, but if you can, important. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Well, hey, um, I think we are about out of time. I want to honor everyone here. If you guys have questions, we're going to be hanging out afterwards. Um, but I'm so excited for all you guys. And uh, I'm going to give it over to Josh. And uh, yeah, give it for Josh, guys.